This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ben, do you consider it news that Joe Biden is old? Yeah, I think so. Last week, when the internet exploded over allegations that President Joe Biden was losing his memory, I decided to get Slate's Ben Mathis Lilly on the line. I think it's a fair subject for discussion when he is the president of the country and uh, wants to be president of the country until he's 85. Ben has covered politics for a long time, so it is not really news to him that Joe Biden is old. In fact, last week, Ben was already planning to write about Biden's increasingly public memory lapses. The way Biden tends to confuse one leader for another seems to lose steam mid-thought. And then the news shifted. Good evening and welcome, everyone. No criminal charges, but at the same time, little to celebrate for President Biden today after a special counsel investigation found he willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after leaving the vice presidency. The, scathing the prosecutor who had been investigating the president for his handling of classified information announced he would not be charging Joe Biden. But that was not all. But the report also raising serious questions about the president's recall, saying his memory was significantly limited in interviews with investigators. Tonight, the president this report said the president had trouble remembering the exact dates he served as vice president, even that he reached to recall when his own son died. To quote the special counsel directly, he called Biden a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man. I mean, that's kind of bizarre that you were writing about one memory slip and then all of a sudden uh, we're writing about another memory slip. Well, and then making things worse for him, uh, making things worse for Joe Biden, he gives a press conference on Thursday night in which he addresses, among other things, not exclusively, the allegations that he's kind of losing his memory and then goes to talk about something else, which is the situation in Gaza and refers to uh, Egyptian President al-Sisi as the president of Mexico. It is hard to overestimate how hard this news hit the political world. Ben called it the first major news cycle of the 2024 election. I think the, the great mystery of it and the, and the thing that we don't know is, is each one of these ensuing examples of Joe Biden forgetting something or making a verbal miscue or when he talks, you know, because he is just physically older, he, his speech is a little more slurred than it used to be. Every time this happens, is that going to convince one fewer person or hundreds or thousands of fewer people to vote for him? And that's what we don't know yet. We don't know the answer to that. Today on the show, Joe Biden is old. This year, how much will that matter? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Let's go back to the beginning. What was this special counsel investigation into President Biden all about? How did it start? Okay, so so what happened was Donald Trump first got in trouble for with the federal government, with multiple different agencies of the federal government for taking classified documents, top secret documents from the White House after his term, storing them at his residence in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. Notably in the bathroom. In the bathroom, closets near a swimming pool, a variety of of very non-secure, very insecure, very unsecure places. Uh, and then, you know, what has really pushed these these bureaucrats in the in the government over the edge was refusing to give them back when people at the National Archives realized that he had taken them, kind of obstructing the efforts of the National Archives, the FBI, to, to secure all these documents after he already knew and had been told, like, you're not allowed to keep those. So this is going on. And then representatives of Joe Biden say, oh, oh, you know, by the way, we found some classified material uh, at an office that was affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania, where he was keeping some of his uh, vice presidential materials. And then they said, oh, you know what? Slightly bigger oops. We found more of them in a garage in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, there were these pictures that came out of what it looked like in Joe Biden's garage, essentially, with like, you know, there's like a ladder, (laughs) there's an exercise machine. And then it's like, oh, sort of a Messed up boxes of documents. Yeah, yeah. Vice former vice presidents, they have the same things in their, you know, their garages we do. Except maybe some of those concern classified uh, information about uh, the Afghanistan troop surge. Yeah. So Biden and his lawyers went through the process that you're supposed to go through when you discover something like this, which is to say, "Hey, oh, whoops, our bad. We've got some of this classified material. Why don't you know you send the FBI down here?" to secure it, to look through it, to make sure everything that we're not supposed to have gets taken away. Uh, And then because Joe Biden is who he is and because the Democratic Party is kind of like a goody two-shoes party, Merrick Garland appoints a special counsel to investigate this case further, to interview Joe Biden, to interview people close to him who have worked with him, to determine whether he broke any laws. And so this is transparently like a both sides thing where it's like, OK, we have this investigation into Trump and like now I guess we got to do the same thing for Biden because otherwise people are going to raise a ruckus. Right. And then in I think in what what some people are describing as classic Democratic Party self-sabotaging fashion, uh, Garland goes ahead and appoints uh, a guy named Robert Hur who is a, personally a Republican and had served under Republican administrations to be the one who who does the investigating. And so her comes back with a report that's made public. That's at 
that's at the discretion of the Department of Justice to make the report public. But like once they've got it, they can't not make it public or people are going to think there's something to hide. So he kind of ties the Department of Justice's hands here uh, with this report that says, I'm not going to prosecute or recommend the prosecution of Joe Biden for this. But one of the reasons I'm doing it is because he's so old and he his memory is so bad. And basically, a people on a jury were going to think, this guy's kind of just like a doddering old grandpa. We can't send him to jail or convict him. That, as you can see, is kind of a quintessential good news, bad news situation uh, if you're Joe Biden or one of his campaign advisors in this situation. Why did he conclude that Joe Biden having this classified stuff wasn't a problem? Yeah, I think that the legal debate around this centers on the question of whether Biden's age was really necessary to include, because there are also other reasons not to prosecute Joe Biden for this. Uh, One of the most obvious is that his cooperation has been extensive. If you compare that to what Donald Trump did, uh, which allegedly was to obstruct the investigation at every turn and, and to try to prevent these materials from being secured, Biden cooperates, which, you know, the way the law is set up, if you're not intentionally trying to keep these documents someplace that they could be stolen or misplaced, uh, then you're not going to get in as much trouble. So there are these other reasons to say, this is not a case we could win. This is not a prosecutable case. So the question is, did Robert Hur put in the stuff about his memory, put in these specific examples of Biden allegedly not remembering things in an interview, uh, such as what years he was vice president? Did he put them in because that's legally germane? Or did he put that in to kind of save face as a Republican prosecutor, as someone in the conservative legal community, you know, so that hey, next time there's a Republican who's president, maybe it'll be Donald Trump. He's going to say, you know what? I like that guy who made Joe Biden look bad. I'm, I'm going to appoint him to be the attorney general or, or be the deputy attorney general or give him some other important role. Part of what stood out to me about what's written in this report about Biden and his memory is that part of it is like this assertion that at trial, Mr. Biden would present himself as he did during our interview, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory, which I don't think that's how any lawyer of the president of the United States would suggest framing <laughs> his <laughs> appearance in court. I just I, – I reject that. I, I do not think that is correct. And so it's this sort of speculation that like here's here's how we think he would present himself that actually when you think about it for two seconds, you're like, no, that's actually completely false. Yeah, and so this is what Biden's attorneys said in, in writing because uh, you know, they had a chance to look at the report before it was issues. And, and their response is, is like, hey, 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 wait a minute here. That's not what he said. What he said was, I don't remember this or that specific thing. I don't remember this date. And I don't remember it in the way that anyone could forget something that happened at their workplace 10 or 15 years ago and confuse it with something that might have happened 12 years ago instead. He's, they're saying that's what he wasn't remembering. It wasn't, I'm too old to remember anything. It's just that, hey, no one is going to remember the exact details. What they are accusing the special counsel of is twisting a, a normal inability to remember exactly, precisely a, a date or a number into a, a bigger mental problem and a defense of, oh, I'm too stupid and you know my brain doesn't work anymore. And they're saying, no, 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 we never, we never claimed that. Well, they also say, you know, at the beginning of the interview, the special counsel said like, oh, you know, I know that like this is a long time. Just try your best to remember. So he was kind of implying like he knew this could be hard to remember. That said, 
The special counsel is saying that the president had trouble remembering the year of his own son's death, which Joe Biden rejects forcefully and rejected forcefully in a press conference afterwards. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. It's a pretty intense allegation to lob out there. Yeah, that was something that really jumped out to me. Uh, I mean, you can see in one sense why you would want to include it, because obviously that's a, a in, incredibly uh, memorable and traumatic event that, that, that would kind of anchor, you would think would anchor in someone's memory. On the other hand, what, what Biden is saying is that it's it's inappropriate for him to even bring that up as, as an example of him not remembering something. This is simply not germane to the question of whether he uh, violated the law by keeping classified documents. Um, but yeah, I think certainly you, when you put that in there, you have to know that that's going to pop out to people and, and be, no matter what else you said in your, in your 300 page report, that's going to be the thing that people are talking about. You know, in the wake of the debate about Biden's memory and how it's characterized in this report, I just found myself considering a lot of might've beens. Like for instance, Joe Biden gave this press conference responding to the report, basically flagging that he gave this interview with the special counsel on October 8th, like right right after the October 7th attack. So he was busy. I sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give the special counsel what he needed, I went forward with a five-hour in-person, five-hour in-person interview over two days on October the 8th and 9th of last year even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th, and I was very occupied. And it just struck me because I look at Donald Trump, for instance, who's the most likely Republican candidate for president, and, like, that guy's trying to stop trials because my mother-in-law died, I can't show up. Like, his daughter Ivanka once told a court she couldn't testify because she had school-aged children, so her weekdays are all booked up. (laughs) I just feel like the lesson there is, like, why are you showing up in the first place? Well, I think that's that's part of Joe Biden's case for why he should be president in a way, right? Is that I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to do the things that you're supposed to do. And so he needs to show voters whose main interest is to quote unquote, have things be normal. He thinks that he has to show those people that he's going to do what he's supposed to do. And he's not going to act cagey and he's not going to act suspicious and he's not going to do things like getting in big public fights with prosecutors all the time. But in the end, I see it as like, Treating an antagonistic situation as not antagonistic, like just letting yourself be surprised by it. Here's where I might I might push back on that. He's the president and he's asking to be the president again until he's 85. And so whether or not it was an interview with the special counsel, um, he is going to be in a situation where he is facing tough questions from someone in a circumstance when he's got other things to think about. Like that is kind of famously the the job of the president. That's why their hair turns gray, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think if it wasn't going to be this, it was going to be something else. Uh, It was going to be a a one-on-one interview. It was going to be a press conference about the situation in Israel. Um, You can't go nine months until the election without appearing in public when you're the president and you're asking to be reelected. And you certainly can't go five years being the president again without having to face a situation like that. 
I don't know what the impact of this on on November's election will be, but I do think that some of the reaction to it by Democrats was maybe a little misplaced just in that there was no way you're going to get through an election year with a with a candidate who is this old without that being the big issue days or weeks or months at a time. When we come back, there are actually a couple of pretty old guys in the 2024 election. So what about the other one? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I feel like there's something else we have to be really clear on in this conversation, which is that both of the leading candidates for president in 2024 are old. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, no matter who you're picking. I wonder if you can compare and contrast like Donald Trump's behavior on the stump and how his memory problems or behavior manifest and Joe Biden. Like, what's the difference? Is there a difference? You know, the reason... Trump doesn't get, quote unquote, in trouble for this stuff as much from the press, let's say, or, you know, the voting public is because there has kind of become an expectation set by Donald Trump's behavior over the last nine years that not everything he says is going to be reliable. Uh, That's not really why you vote for Donald Trump. Uh, You vote for him because you like his attitude. Uh, you, You actually sometimes might even get a kick out of him saying something that he knows not to be true because he's doing it in a way that like bothers the the dorks on news podcasts. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, The Atlantic put this really well, a writer there, where they said Trump is possessed with a bronzed demonic energy that makes him seem vigorously alive, even when the words make no sense. Exactly. And so I think that that's like Trump's personality. And so, yeah, he, I, I think that Democrats are probably going to to get mad about this, a double standard, of, about a billion more times before November. Um, but I don't think it's going to hurt Donald Trump as much. However, I, I think where I come down, if you made me make a, a prediction, and and I don't put money on my political predictions for a reason, I think that where they are similar, where Donald Trump and Joe Biden are similar, is in that ultimately what they are trying to sell to voters isn't, hey, I am a person who understands and can tell you how every program in the federal government works. There have been candidates like that. 
Joe Biden beat one of them in Elizabeth Warren in the last primary, <laughs> it, when we were having a lot of these same discussions, although maybe not in as hostile of a tone, but this was an issue uh, in 2020. You know, Joe, Joe Biden gave a long debate answer about literally putting a record on the phonograph. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Kid All the smart ass reporters, such as myself, made a big deal of it. And then the voters basically said, like, you know, like that doesn't matter to us. You know, in aggregate, that's what they said. I'm sure it mattered to some of them. But they said, you know, this is someone, uh, as I wrote in Slate, this is someone who's who I can trust. I can trust his heart to be in the right place. And, and that's kind of the, the pitch that Joe Biden is making to people. Yeah, I think you're saying his heart is more important to people than his brain in some ways. I have a choice between two people, and I know that I wish I, I had a choice between more people. Uh, a lot of people wish it wasn't Trump versus Biden. But in the end, I am going to say, like, who do I want in the White House? Whose whose soul do I want in the White House? Whose spirit do I want in the White House? Uh, and last time, in the last time that America made this choice, they chose they chose Joe Biden. Yeah, how big of a liability is the president's age? Like, do we know how voters feel about it going into this election? Yeah, I think that the most recent poll, I think it was something like 75% of voters say they have some level of concern uh, about Biden's uh, physical or mental health. So it's definitely something that is on a lot of people's minds. Uh, I'm sure that these things that happened this week are going to be water cooler moments, viral moments for people around the country. I think what will be very interesting is the next time in a couple of weeks, if uh, another big poll about this comes out, does Joe Biden lose three or four points off his support because of this? Is it Does that number go from 75% of people have concerns to 90% of people have concerns? And, and I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. It sounds like in some ways what you're saying is that in the grand scheme of things, Maybe getting called too old to do your job is not the worst attack in the world. Yeah, and I, I mean, the, the example that people go back to uh, is Ronald Reagan. You know, Ronald Reagan was not this old when he was running for re-election, but at the time he was one of the oldest people to ever run for president uh, as a major party nominee. Um, he was a person who for, who was sometimes forgetful, um, who did not always have a grasp of the details of any situation, and he ran for re-election uh, and ultimately won. Uh, in a, in a kind of the story that's told about that election in 1984 is people liked him. The economy was doing well. Uh, the country was doing well. And people liked what he was bringing to the White House overall, even if they might not trust him to get every detail right. And in, a, in addition to that, he ended up having classified documents uh, uh, at, uh, at one of his properties after he was president, but didn't get prosecuted for it. You know, some lawyers writing in Slate wrote an article that basically, it said this report from Robert Herr, it was a hit job. Do you agree with that take? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, you know, my instinct as someone who follows politics is to say, yes, it was to some degree a hit job. I, I know that that people who work in the Justice Department and who work as prosecutors like to think that they don't make political decisions, that they are not partisans, even though they may have a partisan registration. But I think when you are operating at this level of government and at this and at something with these kind of stakes, it's incumbent upon you to think about how what you say is going to be received within a political context. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't say it, but I think that you need to know what the repercussions of what you're doing are. And I think that it's 
impossible for me to believe that Robert Herr and the people working with him did not know that this was going to be a major victory for Donald Trump and a major victory for the Republican Party that they were describing the sitting president this way, quote unquote, an elderly man. And and I think some of the word choice specifically around that was was is so pointed or is so pointed uh, that I would say, yeah, that the, this is on some level a partisan attack. And I think it's fair for it to be described that way. It was almost meant to be quoted because the language wasn't very legal at all. Right. And it's saying, and I think what the, the pushback from the, the Biden side and the Democratic side is like, hey, even if it's your job to make judgment calls about what a jury is likely to take away from something, you don't have to frame it within your report in the most disparaging or pejorative way possible, quote unquote, a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Just like that, that's a really patronizing way to describe it. And I think that there were other ways to make a similar point in a way that was not so overtly um, useful as a set of words to be flashed across the screen in a campaign advertisement. Ben Mathis Lilly, thanks for coming on the show. I'm always grateful for your time. Thank you for having me. Ben Mathis Lilly is a senior writer at Slate. And that is our show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Catch you back here next time. <laughs> 